Welcome to Staying on Track, the podcast dedicated to helping you take control of your financial future. Brought to you by Daymark Wealth Partners, we plan to guide you through the exciting world of money management, investments, and smart financial planning. We will dive deep into a variety of financial topics, bring you expert guests, real-life success stories, and actionable ideas. So whether you wish for early retirement, buying your dream home, or simply making your money work harder for you, the Daymark crew is here for you. Let's take this financial journey together as we explore the path to financial empowerment and prosperity, all while ensuring that you are staying on track. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. Welcome to the Staying on Track podcast. I'm your host, Jason Beischel. I'm a founder of Daymark Wealth Partners, and I'm a certified financial planner. Today, I'm going to talk about a black swan event and things you can do now to protect yourself and your family should this happen to you. A black swan event's common metaphor that describes an event that comes as a surprise, has a major effect, and is often inappropriately planned for. The term is meant for events in the economy to describe financial events, but I believe this can be applied to life as well. My guest today is Jesse Mullins. He's a real pillar in the community, a longtime youth sports coach, successful businessman, a solid human being, and more importantly, a brother from another mother. So Jesse, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. What an intro. Glad to be here. Glad so to be here. Each, yeah, right. So we've known each other for most of our lives. High school baseball teammates, college rugby teammates, roommates, golf partners, our families vacation together. And so, you you know, you actually had one of these events, you know, not too long ago. And I had a front row seat to your recovery and ultimately where you are today. So, you know, give me a little background. Describe this event, if you don't mind, and we'll tie this into financial planning and things people can do right now to protect themselves and their families should something like this hit them. Sure. Yeah. So um, this summer uh, was May 4th. Um, I coached my, my son's 15 U baseball team and just like normal out there on the field, throwing batting practice. uh, We always take precautions. You know, you've got the L screen for those that don't know what that is. It's basically just a net that's in the shape of an L. So that, uh, you know, if you throw right-handed, the, the high part of the L is on the left side, staying behind it, allows you to throw the ball and, and protects you uh, from balls coming back at you. Uh, this particular day, uh, we had a really big, strong kid on the team who uh, hits the ball really hard, and I got a little careless. And, uh, and I threw a ball in there, and, and it was really a bang-bang off his bat. And I reacted for some reason and threw my head to the right and it just escaped that L screen and it was bang, bang ball off of his bat into the side of my head. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a crazy moment because ball hit, then I'm on the ground, um, not really kind of grasping what happened totally. Um, the other coaches ran out and the first thing you do is I, I guess is I, I had my hand on the side of my head. You assume that you probably, you know, burst through some skin and some tissue and probably bleeding um you know my head was was hurting pretty bad and everything was spinning um but the coaches assured me I wasn't bleeding um so I said okay and uh tried to get up and I I couldn't get up um I was sure that I had a concussion but the word concussion wouldn't come to me so I knew uh yeah yeah, I got I got hit pretty good so um not to stretch it out too far but like as we were laying there and one of the coaches says, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to go home, you know? And, and uh, so we were ready for that to happen. And, and fortunately another, there was a parent watching and she's a nurse practitioner. And she said, 
no, <laughs> you're not going home. Uh, there's an ambulance on the way. Um, so we're waiting for the ambulance. And it was a weird feeling of that I've never had where I could, I felt like I was bleeding, but, and I, I kept asking, I guess I may have lost consciousness a couple of times. Um, they assured me that, that they couldn't see blood. And so I thought I should be able to taste it. And I couldn't taste blood. So there was something that was the first sign that something wasn't right. Um, so they load me up and they take me to, to Bethesda North. Um, and everything was fine. I mean, uh, mentally everything was still firing just like it should. I was having a conversation with, uh, uh, the, the medical guy, whatever you call him in the back of the ambulance. He was 26. His name was Austin. He went to summit country day. I mean, I remember everything. Um, and then we got to the hospital and that's when things kind of went a little haywire. I started having a, a lot of pain on the opposite side of my head from where I got hit. Um, and I started feeling cracking and popping, um, inside my head. So they, they put me into the CT scan, pulled me back out and they said, you're being airlifted to university trauma center. Um, you have, a. uh, broken skull, broken jaw, and a bone bleed going into your brain cavity. And we've got to get you there. Uh, so yeah, that's scary just to hear that. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like, so that's the moment that honestly, you know, Jason, one of the first things you said to me, when we were talking, um, you know, you, you start to think about, do I have everything in life? <laughs> Cause you know, being 45 and active and never once thinking, you know, I've got, I've done the 529s and I've done retirement savings and I have life insurance and we we have our state plan, all, all the things that, that, you know, your mind goes straight to. And you asked me about when we talk. Um, but anyway, so I'm sure you'll get to that. So we'll, we'll go through the story, but um, so we get to university and they air care me over there with my wife in the back with me. And by the time I got there, I wasn't completely making sense anymore. I didn't know when my birthday was anymore. I was getting questions wrong. And so at this point, we thought that I had a, a, a bone bleed slowly going into the, the brain cavity. They put me into the CT scan at university and discovered that I had had an artery burst that was leading into my brain. It was flooding blood into my brain. And at that point, my brain was three and a half millimeters off the center. And they took me right into brain surgery. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that was aware at this point. Uh, for the most part, uh, there are bits and pieces. Um, it was like one, like a sobering moment. I know they had me on a lot of medication too, so that wasn't helping. But it, when the kid, it was a young guy that said, "Hey, you're going into surgery in five minutes." And my wife said, "My reaction was, why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to go into the brain surgery." Send me home. Uh, he says, "Well, you don't know when your birthday." Is. I said, "Well, ask me again. I don't want to do this." And he was. I thought he was the surgeon. He was a really young guy. He was not the surgeon. Uh, I was very fortunate to have the one of the best neurosurgeons in the world right there in Cincinnati. Um, so they took me back. They, you know, the procedure is called a craniectomy. They they peeled back a layer, shaved my head, peeled back a layer on the outside to get to my skull. They took a saw and they cut out a piece of skull that is roughly the size of a baseball and removed it completely. Um, so that they could get in there and drain the blood from, from around the brain. They repaired the artery that was burst. Just basically I found out later you have so many arteries and they, they regenerate themselves that that thing was dead. They just packed it 
got it to stop bleeding, put the piece of the skull back in, put three pieces of titanium to hold it in place, put the flap of, of the out, outside layer and stapled that. And uh, then it was on to the recovery. I saw the pic. You sent me the picture. I got a weak stomach, man. That's, you know, appreciate you sending that, but that's hard to see. <laughs> yeah, it, it was wild. Um, yeah, it was really wild. So then it was, you know, then you're, you're in the ICU there. And that's, I think, kind of when I got home and you and I were talking, that's when the thoughts start going through your head for a few days. I couldn't put sentences together. I couldn't walk. Nobody really knew how long that would take. Um, there would, you know, I was told we were going to have uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Uh, the thought was I would completely recover. It could take six months, two years. And my mind immediately went to the fact that I used my brain to make a living for my family. Right. I mean, and the brain injuries are so unpredictable. So that's a long, that's a big wide gap there. You might recover fully in six months, two years, or right. who knows. Right. Might, might not fully recover. I mean, that, the neurosurgeon, Dr. Nguyenye, said, you know, there was a 90% chance that I wouldn't fully recover. Um, I had gotten past the whatever percentage that I wouldn't survive. And, uh, you know, it was it was a really freaky thing to lay there. And I'll tell you, it was a weird thought that I had. And I, I don't want this to come across as, you know, I thought, oh, it'd be better if I died. That's not it. But from a financial standpoint, as I'm lying there, I can't really think the way that I want to think and and do the things that I'm used to doing. It occurred to me that I've got enough life insurance to take care of my family. I've got all these things in line, but I don't have disability coverage. And if I died, my family's taken care of. If I survive, but I can't do what I do to take care of my family, it for a brief moment felt like the worst case scenario. It was a really strange kind of thought process as you, you know, as you go through it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as I talk to people, most people in their thirties and forties that are seemingly healthy work every day, work out every day. How many marathons have you ran? Oh, uh, five. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't think about what happened. People always, you know, you always think, what if I die? I mean, you don't always think that, but that's certainly correct. But most people don't think, what if I just can't work? Yeah. I can't use my mind and I'm laying there, but my family needs my income because I'm in my mid thirties or I'm in my forties and I haven't really saved everything I wanted to save yet for retirement. I haven't hit that goal yet. I haven't saved enough for my kids. How are they going to live day-to-day lives if, you know, there's no income coming in anymore and how often anybody that's listened to this, I mean, how often have you reviewed your disability coverage and looked at what percentage of your income is going to come in? Are there caps on how much can come in and, you know, what are the other things you should really be thinking about along those lines? And I, I think the answer is a lot of people haven't. Vaish, it's, that's freaking spot on, man. Cause, um, it, there, it was like day three in the hospital. They, they got me up out of bed and they walked me around. They, 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 they tied like a rope around me. I was, you know, my head felt like I weighed about 50 pounds and they walked me out around the nurse's station and still, a lot of spinning, but I'm, I'm looking into rooms of people as I'm walking around. And I really felt kind of luck, uh, fortunate, um, that I wasn't some of these other people. It, this is not something that just needs to be planned for, for people that use their minds. I mean, there were people in traction, really bad shape through there. This, you know, that black swan event, as you call it, 
when it comes to to physically being able to uh, do what you've always done to provide. No one, I don't, you know, no one is, uh, no one can hide from that. And uh, so it, it, like you said, you know, we, we have a way of feeling invincible. It's like, you know, yeah, disability, you know, okay. Maybe when I'm in my sixties towards the twilight of my career, I may have some dementia or something that prevents me, but nobody, or I never thought in my mid forties, I didn't Most plan for that. Don't. Most people don't. Not possible. Yeah. You know, insurance, the, the purpose of insurance typically is transferring that risk. So disability insurance, we talk a little bit and you touched on life insurance before. I mean, there's a chance that you wouldn't have been so fortunate if we didn't have the hospital that we have and making split decisions to airlift you to, you know, to the hospital that got you there in the proper care, or if they would have just let you go home. Oh, there's no, everything fell into place for me, man. Like, um, from Amber Lannick saying, you're not going home. If I go home, I, I'm probably not here. Um, from getting That's to that hospital, and they get me into the CT scan from every, everything that everybody did and where we are, you know, everybody remembers, or a lot of people probably remember the DeMar Hamlin thing at the, at the Bengal stadium. Um, oh, I was there. Yeah. You were there, yeah. You? yeah. Yep. That was, you know, everybody nationally heaps all this praise on UC trauma that's that's where they took me i mean it uh it is an amazing place with amazing people um anybody that's spent any time in hospitals i would say with a son that spent has has had some um debilitating things that have that have caused us to spend a lot of times at children's hospital um i mean the people in cincinnati that are caring for each other are amazing we're lucky to have that in our backyard oh yeah so let's talk um, a little bit about the life insurance, because I think that's important. So say you or DeMar Hamlin doesn't come off that field, which looked like it possibly might be happening as I sat in the stands watching this for whatever number of minutes it was where it looked like we might have just watched somebody die on the field. So how do you, you know, as far as planning for life insurance, I know it's tricky. I always hear people say, throw out different statistics and numbers and 10 times your salary or this number. You know, for me, I've always said, you know, you really got to look at your personal financial situation. You've got to be really intentional with what you're doing. I know we do life insurance gap analysis here, and you're simply saying what income, you know, if so, we do scenario planning, you know, untimely death, you died tomorrow. What's your income like right now? Does your family all rely completely on your income or is it a two household income family? I know my personal situation, Rebecca works one day a week. And if something happens to me, we've got to replace basically a majority of the income for our household for the rest of my life until retirement. So what's that number? Right. right. So I think and, it's important and, to really be intentional with these, with these analysis. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of ways that I personally um, had looked at it. And, and honestly, the life insurance thing was another, um, another deal that came to mind because I, when I, first became a father at age 27, I got a 25 year term policy. And, and the way that I looked at it was, okay, I want to make sure, and I've added to it. I have three kids. I want to make sure that if I pass away before I've fully funded their 529s or whatever it is to plan for their college, that there's enough insurance money for that, that it pays our home off, that it pays all of our debts and it has some income replacement for a number of years. And I always thought at 27, Hey, look, by 52, I'll be solid. 
and and I might have enough uh, put away, but I may not. And, you know, it's another thing, maybe you could speak to your thoughts on it. I've always been a uh, buy term life insurance and invest the rest versus some of the whole life and all that permanent insurance. But now I sit in a spot where my policy will be up in about seven years for life insurance. And I don't know how the insurance company will look at the fact that I had a traumatic brain injury and brain surgery if I go back to get more now. Um, you know, do you have any thoughts on on that? Yeah, um, I mean, permanent versus term, I, you know, it comes down to a cost situation. I think that if somebody's just trying to protect until they've saved enough for retirement, typically for the normal, healthy, young person, a term policy can be fairly cheap and it can mm. satisfy those needs. If you want to have something that protects you against the you know, cost of insurability or things like that, certainly looking at permanent policies and whole lives is certainly a, a way to go. That's something that, you know, we always do. Let's do a cost analysis and what's your purpose with this insurance. And I've right. always been in, I try to keep insurance for what it's designed to do and that's transfer that risk. Basically right. say, if something happens untimely, my family's going to be okay. And, you know, they're going to live their lives like they want to. And that, without me, of course, so that's not like they want to, but certainly they'll be comfortable financially. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, in, insurance is such a, a non-sexy product or thing that, that is so necessary. You know, I was just thinking, I, I had a friend last year who, uh, who had total loss of his home. Um, his son had uh, one of those hoverboards in the garage and they were on vacation and the, the charger caught on fire. Uh, fortunately, they weren't in the house. It was a total loss. And suddenly the conversation turns to so many conversations about your insurance. And we don't have people over. We move into a new house and you know take them, show them the new house and talk about our insurance. All. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, Oh, it's a beautiful house. So how much insurance do you have? Right. Like, no, fully covered. like I only have it because I have to like my car. Nobody talks about it until you get in an accident and you know, your, your body, your ability to provide and all that's the same way. Nope. Like I don't, you don't hear guys standing around. They, they might talk about when they bought Nvidia, but they don't talk about how much <laughs> disability insurance they have. It's a, it is, it's, it's something. And that's the big action. One action step that, out of all of this is make sure you're reviewing insurance, all your policies, not just life insurance, but disability coverage, home and auto care is certainly important to always review. And, you know, kind of moves into, and we started to touch on it a little bit. And I know this is not you, but I'm floored by the amount of people that I meet with that have not done any estate planning documents. Oh, whatsoever. a thousand percent. They don't even have a yeah. will. And there's a bunch of celebrities you can always see on there that have died in testator without a will. So it, it just boggles my mind because it's not difficult to do these yeah. documents and, you know, your situation. So say, say you weren't married and something happens to you and now you're, you know, laid up and what if you were in a coma, who's going to take care of your bills? I mean, these are simple documents to put in place. I'm not an attorney, uh, but I certainly recommend that everybody meet with an estate planning attorney and at least go through these documents. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So, and put my own personal experience on there. So, and I think you've heard it before, but Reese, my daughter was like six months old. She's 10 now. 
we're on a flight to Birmingham, Alabama. Oh man. And yeah. you remember this story? So yep. uh flight all of a sudden out of nowhere, the we start to not be able to breathe, the masks pop out, it's you know, getting really warm in the cabin. That might just spend me sweating. I'm not sure, <laughs> but the plane just starts diving and Ugh. goes straight down and the pilot comes on and all he says is get to your seats and buckle up. And we're like, well, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Can we get some guidance here? What's going on? And so everybody around is just, I, it was the opposite of what you would see in a movie when it feel like you're going to crash. I thought there was no doubt we were crashing and nobody was saying a word old woman next to me just grabbed my hand and we're wow. like, well, this is it. We're, we're done. And I'm thinking to myself, same thing that you're thinking is all of a sudden you, there's thoughts flash into your mind. Like my family, you know, oh, my little daughter, this terrible and feeling. And so, but then we level off and we've got, you know, air masks on, we level off. The pilot comes over. Sorry, folks. Uh, we lost cabin pressure. We're good now. You can take your masks off. So we now flew for another, I don't know, it was like 30 minutes. Felt like two days, but we're <laughs> flying below 8,000 feet or something like that. I don't know all that. I'm not in aviation, so I don't know the exact where we were, but we're flying all the way to the airport with these masks just hanging in front of us. And we land. And I, my thought during that process was, and that's a weird, it's probably because I'm in the business that I'm in, but I'm like, man, I haven't updated my estate planning documents. Right. I had a yeah. daughter. Not everybody thinks that way, but it's funny. Like our, our brains go to interesting places. So well, I landed I think and I called my wife and then called the estate planning attorney and scheduled a meeting. Of course. Yeah. It takes the, like, I think the moral of it is obviously, you know, life, life can throw a curveball. Like we're in, we have no control over these things, you know, what's going to happen when we take, when we're on a flight or we're driving down, whatever it is. So we can't control what is going to happen to us, but we 100%. And I think, you know, this kind of drove it home for me. We can control how we prepare for it. And that's right. it. Um, you know, whether it's through the estate planning and, and updating. It. I mean, um, I had a third child eight years after my second, and he was probably five years old before I updated my estate planning. I just didn't think about it. Um, so, you know, there'd have been lots of things in line for his brother and sister. And he'd have been like, man, I guess dad never liked me. Right. Put me in there. Well, people don't think about it. They're not like, oh, I need to go back and because they don't think, you know, do I really need a trust or not? And again, I'm not an attorney, but you do. If you have minor children, you know, there's some things in there. I've got a big family, man. And, uh, and I know that my parents and my wife's parents and I've got four siblings. She's got a brother. Well, who do we really want to take care of our kids if something were to happen to both of us? Again, black swan event. It's going to take to do that. You don't like to talk about them because it's talking about your own mortality. But, you know, the one thing is for certain is we all die at some point. Just yep. is it today or is it in 50 years? They're just and difficult conversations that you have to have from time to time. What's the sense? What's it. the line in the country song? Like we all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Right. <laughs> And we think about that, but not yet. It, and it's not hard. These are easy, simple things to do. Schedule a meeting with an estate planning attorney, review your insurance policies, do a life insurance gap analysis to see if you have enough coverage. And if you have the right coverage, like you were talking about, 
is it appropriate to have a term or you actually need something that's more permanent? And I think the last thing, and you know, I think that a lot of people don't think about that, especially in our business, is who's going to manage the money if something were to happen to me? Yes, you know, I, I have I that named. Here, yeah, I sit here. I have that seat. named in mind. Right. Um, and, and I've actually, uh, I walked through the process several years ago uh, with a client that he kind of took the, the lead on it. And he had a lot of, the, the cool thing that a lot of people don't know is when you're sitting down with an estate planning attorney, and just as you said, I'm not an attorney, I don't know the laws and rules and, and everything. You just, you see it and, and you pick some things up, but you can pretty much lay out whatever you want. Like you can name, Hey, look, I want my trustee to continue on with Jason. He's done great work for us. I want to make sure, you know, like the sky's the limit. And, and, I look at like, you know, trust work is kind of like a will distributes your assets at death and a trust gives you the opportunity to continue to, to have some control over your assets for as long as you want. Um, you know your family better than anybody. Um, how often do you recommend that people review all this stuff? It's a great question. So first and foremost, any life event that happens, you know, right. the divorce rate, as we all know, unfortunately, is like 50%. So if you have a divorce, obviously you need to update those plans. I've seen people, and this has happened over the years where oh, I didn't update the beneficiary. Be and, no, I've, I've heard that. Um, Never seen they, it. Yeah. Then the ex-wife is actually still named as the beneficiary on a life insurance policy. Try to get that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not good. And so it's important to be updating beneficiaries. To answer your question, I think any life event, and right. then every few years, you know, you don't have to do this every single year unless you have some sort of a life changing event, but laws do change. So having an attorney that you can go to know where your documents are, have here, we save them in a client secure vault. So your estate planning documents are saved right with everything. So if you need to get to them, you know, that if I had a dollar for every time somebody was like, I can't find my trust, <laughs> I have it in a box in the basement or something. Right. With my and, baseball cards. Right. And so <laughs> it's important every few years, dust those off, meet with a state planning attorney, have them review it, have the laws changed. And and then if you have a child or a child becomes of age, you may want to look at it at that point. Is it still appropriate? And right. I know that a lot of people have stipulations in trust documents that say that my son or daughter can have access to a certain percentage at 21, a certain percentage at 25, at 35, so forth and so on. And once the, you know, the kids get established and are more financially responsible, do you still want to have those restrictions on there? I mean, that's certainly up to every personal, you know, every person's situation, but right. you know, those type of things as well. So I would say the answer is not a specific number, but, you know, regularly do that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good stuff. Now, if you don't mind, I wanted to switch gears for a second. I had to ask sure. you a personal question. <laughs> Here we go. So we've been with 10 of us close friends uh, doing fantasy football for how many years now? Probably 11. Or 11, 12. more than 10 years. I've never even finished in the top half. And uh, you're the, you won it all this year. I did. So what's really, that feel like? Really proud of it. Well, I haven't gotten the trophy yet. It's going to feel real <laughs> good. But I did get a highlight video recently of my highlights for the year i'll send that out to you guys I know you oh guys please that. yeah i'd love to see that riveting <laughs> well congrats yeah thanks appreciate it so 
Um, I'm going to just summarize this so we can, uh, we can wrap it, but I think the actionable ideas, first and foremost, thanks so much for sharing this. I know it's a personal story to you and, uh, you know, sitting here talking to you the way that we are right now is amazing to me. And, you know, I'm so glad that the recovery happened the way that it did and we can sit here and have normal conversations again. So uh, that makes two of us amazing to me. Right. And so, you know, kind of the actionable ideas I think we, we both take from this is number one, make sure you're reviewing any insurance policies that you have because insurance is there to try to transfer the risk from you should some side of event like this happen. You know, any event could be, you know, one day you get in a car accident, could be a diagnosis, could be, you know, hit by a car crossing the street, could be hit by a line drive by some stallion of a baseball player while you're pitching batting <laughs> practice. But making sure you're reviewing all your insurance coverage on the front end, easy to do. And um, number two is reviewing estate planning documents regularly. Make sure that, you know, all of your accounts are titled properly. And you know, that a lot of people, they'll draw up a trust and then they won't even funded at their death or anything or, or retitle assets or they leave assets in individual names versus joint names or transfer on death. So make sure you're reviewing all of those and, you know, who's managing the money should something happen to you if you're managing the money by yourself or make sure you're having those meetings with the advisor and saying, you know, who's taking the lead now. And, and that's why it's important to have both spouses involved in these family planning meetings. So, you know, like I always say, be intentional. The more intentional you are with the goals that you set, the better the chance of a positive outcome. No doubt. Yep. That's awesome stuff, man. I appreciate right, you having me on. It's always appreciate good coming to on. chop it up. Sounds good. Talk soon. All right. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.daymarkwealthpartners.com or reach out to one of our trusted advisors. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The ideas and opinions expressed on this show by Daymark Wealth Partners and their guests do not constitute legal, tax, or investment advice, or a recommendation of any particular security or strategy, and do not represent the opinions of the underwriters of this program. Any information prepared from third-party sources are believed to be reliable, though its accuracy is not guaranteed. Opinions expressed in this commentary reflect subjective judgment of the speakers based on conditions at the time of the recording and are subject to change without notice. Listeners should seek the input of their own financial, tax, and legal professionals before acting on any information provided. Past performance is not indicative of future results.